Lord, my trust is in you. I surrender to you in these moments. May we surrender this time to you that the words of our mouth and the meditations of each and every one of our hearts may be pleasing to you, our God. I'd like to open with a quote um, from the writer that I'll be talking about today. He says, man builds his little shelter. He raises his little walls. He builds his little altars and worships his little God, organizes the resources of his little life to defend his little barrier. And he can't do it. We'll come back to that, and hopefully it'll become a little clearer. I'd like to share a story about a boy named Howard. Now, Howard was born at the turn of the century, uh, in 1900. Howard, not so far, was outside of slavery. He was born in a segregated southern town in poverty. As a matter of fact, his grandmother was born in slavery. That was pivotal, that was significant, not only for her life, but for Howard's. She was an outspoken woman. She was a strong woman, and it gave Howard direction as he would grow up. An event that happened when Howard was seven years old, his dad worked for the railroad, and he would be gone away from home for two weeks, and he'd get back home on the weekend, and then he would have to leave again, and that's the way the family got along. Mom, dad, little sister, and Howard all lived together in Daytona, Florida. Until one weekend, he came home ill. Five days later, he was dead from typhoid fever. Now, Howard's dad wasn't the member, a member of the church that Howard's mother and mother-in-law belonged to. So when they approached the church about having Howard's father's funeral at the church, they said, no. They said, no, you can't, you can't bury him here. We won't hold a service. And the preacher said, I won't do the service. I won't do the service for that man because he doesn't belong. Now, Howard's grandmother, again, was a strong, outspoken woman. And she said, okay, well, you know, pastors come and go. Uh, no, I, I'm not. We're not. <laughs> Pastors come and go. But you and I have been members of this church for a long time. We built this church. And you're going to stay here. You're not going to leave. And I'm sure not going to leave. So let's see what we can do. Needless to say, the board of directors and the head of the board said, okay, you can have the service here, but we can't do anything about what the pastor does. They said, fine. Because there happened to be an evangelical traveling preacher coming through town, and he was more than happy to preach the service. What Howard's mother and grandmother didn't know 
was that he was going to take the opportunity to tell everybody at that service how Howard's father was going to hell because he was a sinner living in sin and didn't have Christ in his life. Howard decided, I will never have anything to do with church again as long as I live. So let's fast forward. Howard is now graduating the eighth grade, which is no small feat, because in Daytona, Florida, in, say, 1912 or 13, he was the first Negro child ever to have accomplished that feat, to get an eighth grade certificate. He wanted to go on to high school, but the nearest high school that would accept a Negro student was 91 miles away in Jacksonville. He happened to have a cousin that lived in Jacksonville, so his family prepared to send him there. So a friend donated a, a tattered trunk with no handle that was falling apart that he had to tie up with rope, and his family put $5 in his pocket, and he was on his way. And as Howard let, was leaving, to go get on to the train to go to Jacksonville, his grandmother called him back and said, I want to tell you something. Come here. And I want you to remember this for the rest of your life. Look up always. Down never. Look forward always. Back never. And remember, everything you get, you have to work for it. Howard took that to heart. Education was his way out, and he excelled at what he did. He graduated high school, top of his class. Went to Morehouse, graduated, top of his class. In philosophy and ethics and religion was always part of his mind, so he explored how he could get into seminary. He applied to Andover Newton Seminary, one of the most prestigious seminaries in the country but they only offered religion to the Caucasian men. <laughs> so he applied to Colgate Rochester. Fortunately, they offered two scholarships to Negro students. Howard was the only Negro student in his class, but he got the scholarship and he graduated where? Top of his class. And Howard not only took the education, but he decided to give it back. So once he graduated, he went back to his alma mater at Morehouse, and he decided to become a professor of religion. Now, in his class, there, there was this probably little-known student that you might have heard of once or twice in your life, if you're older than just born. by the name of Martin Luther King, Jr. Nonviolent protest in this country came through Howard Thurman to Martin Luther King, Jr. As a matter of fact, he carried a book with him. It said that he carried a book with him called Jesus and the Disinherited Every Step of the Way During the Civil Rights Movement. Now, I'm not trying, this is not really a sermon to praise Howard Thurman, as much as it is 
to show you an example of somebody who would cross borders to live into who he was supposed to be, he was created to be. So I want to go back to Jeremiah 29, a scripture we didn't read, but just say, for I know the plans I have for you, declared the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Deep down inside, Howard knew these words. I don't know where he got them from. Maybe he read them in the Bible. Or maybe it was just, I believe that to live an authentic life, I have to bring all of myself to. I have to trust that God is going to be a part of it, no matter what it looks like from the outside. That barriers that people, or that I might even set up for myself, I have to find a way to navigate through, or over, or under, or around. But it is important that that happen. It's not important, only important to me, but it's also important to the people that I come in contact with. Because I'm not going to do it in isolation. That we're going to do it in community. You probably have guessed, but not, not quite as... as, as, as um, well-known as Martin Luther King Jr., the Howard I'm talking about is Reverend Dr. Howard Thurman, noted poet, author, a preacher, one of the top ten preachers of the 20th century, mystic, lots of people didn't know that about him, but has a mysticism and a way of informing how he saw the world that invited others into relationship in ways that were not in a box. Howard Thurman, author of more than 21 books and hundreds of articles, including Jesus and the Disinherited. So, um, Howard Thurman not only was uh, a professor at Morehouse, but he also was a professor at Howard University in Washington, D.C. And during his time there, he took sabbatical in 1935. And, and these, these dates are not insignificant. Because guess what? In 1900, I couldn't walk down the street like I do today. In 1935, we wouldn't be sitting here in this church in community like we are today. In 1943, when he wrote Jesus and the Disinherited, his very life in certain towns was in jeopardy if he went in there. He, couldn't, he could not openly speak the way we speak today. So I say in 1935, during the middle of the Depression, Howard Thurman and his wife are sent with a delegation of Christian students to India, Burma, and Ceylon. He spoke at 45 engagements and traveled over 18,000 miles. Now that's the power of God out of the box. At the end of his journey, he was at Khyber Pass, and he meets another gentleman you may have heard of, Gandhi. And there they sat down. And Gandhi took his watch out and he put it on a table and said, let's talk for three hours. He said, if you can't come to me, before he got there, he said, if you can't come to me, I'll, my doctors, and I will get on the train and I will come to you. That's how important he believed this conversation to be. Uh, they were able to meet in a mango grove, I think I read. 
And there, they talked about what it looked like to be an intentional community of faith for all people. Howard was excited. He was thrilled. He, he, he was invigorated. So he goes back home and he thinks about, where do we do this? Do we do it in New York? Because he lived on the East Coast. Do we do it in Washington, D.C., which is a very metropolitan, very diverse community? And for eight years, he, worried, he thought about this. And one day, he got a letter from a friend of his that said, we need one of your young, bright students to help form a church in San Francisco. He said, we need somebody who's willing to come for very little pay, but what we envision is a church that brings people from different faith traditions together to celebrate all of who they are within a community, to, to recognize that it takes people from different experiences, different from people from, from different awarenesses of who God can be and bring it into a community so we can have a fuller, richer awareness of who God can be for each one of us. And we want it in community because no one person holds truth by themselves. So can you recommend a student? And he said, no, but I'll come. <laughs> he said, well, I'd like to come, but you know, I have this job here and I don't know if they'll leave me. They'll, they'll let me go. And so he worked out a, a, another sabbatical with Howard and they said, yeah, but you got to go on your own dime. He said, God will make a way. I heard that in a song somewhere, that God will make a way. And so he did leave to form the uh, Church of the Fellowship of All People with doc Dr. Alfred Fisk. Again, this is less about who Howard Thurman is as it, than it is about who we are, who we can be. He's, our, he's an example but I, we can point out all kinds of examples. We can talk about what's going on all of this month. How many people have been on to see the, to, 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 to see the videos of the Lenten series? <laughs> New, out of the box, different ways of experience who God can be in our lives. You don't even have to leave your computer. My goodness. <laughs> well, for me, that's a big deal because I can but you don't even have to leave your computer to know what it means to, to, to be in community with others, to break down barriers, to just push them out of the way. And what does it inspire us to do? How does it inspire us to move? Again, Reverend Vicki last week said, how will we right the wrongs? Well, we don't accept being defined as secondly, Again, uh, Dr. Thurman defined his own life on his own terms. He was a trailblazer from almost the very, thought, the very start. He used creative thinking. His professors told him, you know, we, we think you're one of the great thinkers. And he didn't take that on as with, with you know, a, a pride that was uh, heaped upon himself. But he said, well, what does that look like when I go out and engage my brothers and my sisters? How can I help them to be great thinkers as well? If I'm a great thinker, then can we think together to create something new and outside of the box? 
Um, if you go to slide three, this is a quote from Dr. Thurman, that meaningful and creative shared experiences shared between people can be more compelling than all of the faith, fears, concepts, ideologies, and prejudices that divide. And if these experiences can be multiplied and sustained over a sufficient duration of time, then any barrier that separates one person from another can be undermined and eliminated. Do you like that fighting language? Undermined, eliminated. But we're going to work together to do it. We're going to join hands. It's going to be about unity. We're going to bring ideas rather than what someone else has told us to do. We're going to, we're going to use all of our experiences and all of our education and all those pieces that make us who we are. But those that don't, don't, we're going to drop them by the wayside. And we're just going to keep working together. Howard remembered the teachings of his instructors and incorporated that into his teachings. But he didn't try to mimic them. He didn't try to become Dr. Rufus Jones. He took his ideas on inclusivity and he incorporated it to create a new thing. And that's, that is what we're called to do. It takes courage, though. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, I get to walk out here pretty much just the way I am. But there are days that I wonder what it means to look like me in a neighborhood that is predominantly white. What it means to, 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 to drive my car into certain places because perhaps I'm not supposed to drive a Mini Cooper convertible. I don't even know what that's about. <laughs> but what it means to be different in a world that wants to put us in boxes. And I say me, but it can happen for each and every one of us. What it means to hold hands with the pe person we love. What it means to dress in these clothes when somebody else defines us as dressing differently. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, 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 you know what I'm talking about. I don't need to say any more. Slide number four, please. Community cannot feed for long on itself. It can only flourish where always the boundaries are giving way to the coming of others from beyond them. Unknown and undiscovered brothers. I love that. Well, the gender thing I work with. But unknown and undiscovered brothers. Those people we can't even imagine being part of our lives that enrich who we are and enrich the community and bring, oh my goodness, I don't mean to point people out, but if you were here last week and you saw the dance, I don't, can't even say it. What's, can you, do you know the name of the dance? Okay. We can't say it. But if you were here last week, you have no idea, if you weren't here last week, you have no idea what joy, oh my goodness, what beauty and what grace was right up here in this space. Let it create in you. Let it, let it enliven you to a new way of, of being and of thinking. How do we right the wrongs? We break down the barriers. We invite others into community. We create community. We live authentically. We do the things that help us come alive. One additional quote from 
uh, Dr. Thurman, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive, and then go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. That's, that's it. Simple, right? Sure it is. <laughs> well, I don't know that it's simple, but it's much simpler if we do it in community, if we have somebody to walk along with us. And it's not all heaped upon us. Finally, from, the first, from that first quote, which all these quotes have been by Dr. Thurman. But from that first quote, it says, I want to go back and say, man builds his little shelter, he raises his little walls, builds his little altar, worships his little God, organizes the resources of his little life to defend his little barrier. And he cannot do that. What we are committed to here and what many other people in other places are committed to is very simple. That is, that it is possible to develop a religious fellowship that is creative in character. So convincing in quality that it inspires the mind to multiple experiences of unity. Which experiences of unity become over and over and over again more compelling than the concepts, the ways of life, the sex, the creeds that separate humanity? We believe that in the presence of God, with God's dream, of order, there is neither male nor female, white nor black, Gentile nor Jew, Protestant nor Catholic, Hindu, Buddhist nor Muslim, but a human spirit stripped to its literal substance of itself. Wherever man has the scent of the eternal unity in his spirit, he hunts for it in his home, in his work, among his friends, in his pleasure, and in all the levels of his function. It is my simple faith, says Thurman, that this is the kind of universe that sustains that kind of adventure. And what we are fumbling toward now, tomorrow will be the way of life for everyone. May it be so. Good morning.